Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Have you ever had a uh, task kind of thrust upon you that you felt really inadequate for or unprepared to do, but somebody else really had confidence that you could do it? Probably all of us have had some times like that. I remember a summer when I was serving as a very part-time youth worker at a church in Wilmer, Minnesota, and that summer I actually lived in a room off of the side of the choir loft in the back of this big old church building. And as I was meeting downstairs for prayer before Sunday service, I asked the men that were gathered there that day, are you really sure that Pastor Gray is going to be here today? I thought he told me he was on vacation this Sunday. They were quite confident he was going to be there until our prayer time was up and he still hadn't arrived. So it was now time for the service to start and one of them said that he would lead the service if I would share a message. I'm not quite sure how I got talked into that, um, though I was really thankful I'd had my devotions that morning and I remembered the text. Um, so while the congregation was singing hymns and hearing the scripture readings and confessing their faith and, and giving their offering, I was scrambling to write some notes to myself um, before the time for the sermon. And I, I'm sure that that sermon ended up being rather short and lacking a few things, um, but it was God's word, and, and God was faithful to empower me to deliver it in some form that day. And, and if you knew me back then, or if you even know me now, uh, you, you might have some idea what a stretch that was for this skinny 23-year-old farm boy from North Dakota that day. I imagine that Timothy must have felt a bit like that, but, but even way more responsibility was thrust on him in this position that the Apostle Paul had placed him in there at Ephesus. Um, he was a very young leader with some rather large ongoing responsibilities for oversight for probably more than one church. And so as we look today in our study of 1 Timothy, Paul has a word for Timothy about his youthfulness. However, I think that as we go through the points here today, you're going to find that this is also a word for each one of us regarding how we see ourselves and conduct ourselves in our relationships and our situations that God calls us to today. I invite you to look with me then at, at 1 Timothy chapter 4, begin verse 11. And uh, would you stand in reverence to God's word as we read? <clears throat> Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, and younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Let us pray. 
Lord God, we thank you for your call on each of our lives and, and uh, the call that you gave to Timothy to serve and to lead, even as a young man. And Lord, we pray that as we meditate on this today, that you would speak to each of our hearts uh, about what you call us to serve uh, in various ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Two key thoughts in the first couple of verses here that kind of lead us into the flow of this next section of Paul's letter to Timothy. And first it's this, he, Timothy, or I should say Paul reminds Timothy to speak these things with authority. Don't be hesitant to say the things I've been telling you thus far. Verse 11, command and teach these things. And really it's the same word as we saw back in chapter 1, charge these things. What does it mean to charge someone? It, it's to authoritatively expect something of them. Now, why was it that young Timothy should dare to speak with authority to folks that are perhaps older and more educated than he? It's because the things that he was to speak with authority about were not his own made-up ideas. They weren't even the Apostle Paul's, but they were words from Almighty God. Command and teach these things that I've passed on to you, Paul said. And that included then, as we think of the chapters we've been through so far, um, the sound doctrine of, of law and gospel, the law that shows all lost sinners their need for a savior, and the gospel that is the good news that Jesus, the Son of God, left his throne in heaven and came into the world to save sinners. But also then the other more practical things that came after that here that Paul told Timothy of how things were to be conducted in corporate worship and, and what kind of qualifications to require of those that you select to be leaders in God's church and the importance of not allowing the congregation to get off track into strange teachings and restrictions that aren't really from God. All those things. Speak all these things with authority, he says. And then the second leading thought comes in verse 12 here, and that is this. Don't give people a reason for condescending attitudes or criticism. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. New Americans says it this way, let no one look down on your youthfulness. You know, when you are a leader of something, there will always be people around you that are looking for something about you to criticize. And you can't stop that from happening. But you don't have to make it easy for them to find fault. One of the things that they might pick on is your age. Uh, it, you're, you're just a kid compared to some of them. And, and so who are you to tell them how things ought to be? Well, Paul's saying live your life in such a way that people will, be, will say, you know, he is so mature for a guy so young. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. But you know, I think that this same principle can apply to many other stages and situations in our lives. Old folks, let not the young ones look down on you because you're old. You without a college degree, let not those that are overeducated look down on your limited education. You who have some handicap, let no one look down on you because of those limitations. You who have sins of the past, let no one look down on you because of the things you did before you were saved. Or, or for all of you, when in a setting perhaps with, with folks of the opposite gender, let no one look down on you because you're not one of them. 
That is, don't give them reason for condescending attitudes or criticism, but rather, and then what we look at in the rest of this text here, is I see six things that, that Paul gives as exhortations to Timothy. First of all this, set an example with your life. The, the hymn that we sang a bit ago here in, in verse 3 kind of spelled this out for us here. It says, Faith of our fathers we will love, both friend and foe in all of our strife, and preach thee too as love knows how, by kindly words and virtuous life. Paul says to Timothy here, set an example with your life in your speech. Let, let it be clean and free of gossip. In your conduct, let it be godly. Be a person of integrity. In your love, may it be unconditional love. In your faith, let your belief in and trust in God shine through in all that you do. And in purity, practice self-control in both your thoughts and your actions. You can't force people to respect you, but you can set an example that generates respect. And then secondly, remember your authority. The, the things that you are to command and teach are not your own words, but they're God's word, Holy Scripture. And we're to remember that too. And in our Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, uh, we hold to the Bible as the inspired word of God, as the only inerrant and completely adequate source and norm of Christian doctrine and life. We, we look uh, um, to no bishops or to popes to give us mandates or revelations. Fundamental principle number five that we're going to be going through in our adult Sunday school class today states this, the congregation directs its own affairs subject to the authority of the word and the spirit of God and acknowledges no other ecclesiastical authority or government above itself. And by the way, there is still room in the library for more to join us. And so I invite any of you, if you're able, come and join us for class any of those times here as we go through those, those principles. Paul told Timothy here in verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Timothy's source of authority as a leader in the church at Ephesus was to be the Scriptures, which for him would have been then the Old Testament plus the teachings of the Apostles. And one way then, Paul is reminding him to keep that before everyone in the congregation would be to have regular reading of Scripture when you meet for corporate worship. Devote yourself to that, Paul said. And you, we still do that here uh, for this, much the same reason, so that all who are here will hear something as the authoritative Word of God. And usually then we have readings from the Old Testament and the Gospels and the Epistles. Justin Martyr, back in the second century A.D., wrote of this being a practice even back then, and much of the Christian church has carried that on to this day. Paul told Timothy to also devote himself to exhortation from the scriptures and to teaching the scriptures. And this would include then instructing in information and doctrines relating to the texts, and also then application based on those texts. And the reason then why the reading of Scripture and the teaching relating to Scriptures and, and the exhortations from the Scriptures occupy a dominant portion of the worship service is because we understand God's written word to be the source of our authority above all else. And because we also then believe that there is power in the word of God itself. It, and the preaching of it brings then conviction of sin in people's hearts. And, and they come to also a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The power in the word of God is also to strengthen the hearts of believers that are struggling with trials and temptations. 
power to help them then persevere and grow in grace and godly character. And many of you have experienced that power of the Word of God. And I think of examples from my years of ministry, and, and one that sticks out in my mind is a, a man that moved up to the north woods of Minnesota looking forward to retirement up there. He had had a very successful career in business, only to find out that he now had advanced cancer. He had thought of himself as too busy and not really needing the church for all those working years. But he and his wife were invited to our church by somebody, and, and he started really hearing the Word of God through the ministry of that congregation and, and through some private visits um, where God's Word was shared. He came to personal conviction of his own sins and need to trust in Jesus as a Savior. And when he died a year or so later, he was at peace with God and ready for eternity. Maybe you know someone, too, whose, whose life and eternal destiny has been turned around by hearing the Word of God preached. And plenty of us also can think of days, maybe when we've come to church, feeling weak in faith, weighed down with discouragements of life, and God's Word has ministered to our hearts in such a way that we walked out the door of the church, strengthened, empowered to go on, confident of forgiveness of our sins, and trusting in God for direction in our life. And so we continue to make that a priority, to devote ourselves into the public reading of Scripture, exhortation, and teaching. Well, besides instructing Timothy to set an example with his life and to always remember his source of authority, Paul also instructs young Timothy here to exercise your God-given gifts. Verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Some of you I know have had the privilege of being at our AFLC annual conference sometime in the more recent years, and you might have seen this then, um, that the evening where there is an ordination service, there are young men and older ones who have gone through our seminary training and have received a call to a local congregation, and they're asked to then take vows that they will publicly and in private declare God's word in truth and purity according to the teachings of the Lutheran Church. And then after their recitation of those vows, all the pastors present are invited to come forward and to lay their hands on them and pray over them. Very likely it was an occasion much like that, what Paul is referring to here, essentially Timothy's ordination service. And this laying on of hands by others and dedication of an individual then uh, to be set apart for the ministry of the word of God should leave a profound impression on those that are set apart for that. And no doubt it had for Timothy. And so Paul brings this occasion to Timothy's mind here, uh, no doubt to then strengthen his conviction as he goes through challenges in ministry that God's called him to this and he's equipped him to serve as an overseer there in the congregations at Ephesus. And to remind him then, well, use those gifts that God has given you. How about you here today? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been given at least one spiritual gift to use to build up the body of Christ. Have you found a place to serve here or in a local congregation someplace? We all need to be reminded sometimes, don't neglect the gift that you have. Don't hide it. Use it. God didn't give it to you to sit on, but to use to serve others and to expand the work of his kingdom. And if you're not sure what that gift is for you, then look for ways to serve others. Experiment a bit, and you may find that there are needs that you can meet, and it will give you joy in helping to meet needs of others as you see God then bless others through you. And, and if you feel like, you know, 
I'm really not good at anything. Um, you're not alone in feeling that. But the next point then I think fits very well here, and that is this, regular practice will result in progress. Verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that you may see, so that all may see your progress. You know, athletes don't excel in their sport without a lot of practice. But as they do practice over and over again, um, there is gradual improvement. And those who excel more often are those that practice more. I, I trust that the sermons have gotten better over the years since that extemporaneous one that I gave that Sunday the pastor didn't show up. Um, but that has come with a lot of practice. And, and I, if you get here early enough on Sunday morning, you might hear me practicing it in my office before the service. So if you're asked to teach Sunday school or, or to lead something or, or to serve in some other way and, and you don't really feel like it went that great, don't give up too quickly. And don't say, well, I guess that's one more area I'm not gifted in. You know, practice might make a difference. And Paul is encouraging Timothy that others will see the progress as he uses the gift that God has given him, and they also see progress as he lives in a relationship with Jesus, and he grows in fruits of the Spirit and in godly character. There are two other exhortations for Timothy and for you and I that I see here. One of them is this. Maintain consistency in your life and in your teaching. Verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this. And Paul is pointing out to Timothy here how important it is that, that the way that he lives his life is consistent with what he teaches. Inconsistency can destroy your witness. I need to tell a story on myself here. This last spring, when it had been raining a lot, remember back then? <laughs> Hasn't been doing that lately, but when it rained so much, the ditch in front of our house had standing water in it for days. And, and part of the reason for that, I noticed, was that you know there was sod that had kind of built up in front of my neighbor's culvert. And, and so one day I was out in my yard um, making sure that my own culvert didn't have anything that was blocking it. And with shovel in hand, I just stepped a few feet into my neighbor's lawn. And uh, I made a little slit in his sod right next to the culvert there. And, you know, it didn't look like he was even around. And the water was going to go through there and he would never know the difference. Well, he was home. And he was looking out the window. And he wasn't happy with me. And he told me in not-so-kindly words to leave his sod alone. Well, I did okay. And I put my shovel back, put everything in place, and I walked back to my garage. But you know, the Lord didn't let my conscience alone. And so, for the next few days, I, I looked for the opportunity when he'd be out in his yard again. And I went over and talked to him and offered an apology and he received that well, and my conscience was clear. I haven't yet had the opportunity to talk to that neighbor about the Lord. But I didn't want my actions to hinder my witness. That's important, you see. Because Paul is telling Timothy here, how important is it? Look at verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. Why? For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. If we start living contrary to what we are teaching, 
and start ignoring our conscience, then we are on dangerous ground. And continually doing so can actually lead them to a heart that's hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and that falls away from a relationship with God and can even get to the point where they're lost for eternity. On the other hand, if we live consistent with what Christians believe and teach, and we st- then we actually stick out in society, and our lives of integrity can be a light that someone else sees that can help to point them to the Savior. So let me sum this up so far before we focus in on one last exhortation from Paul. And that is this here. Um, leaders who are young, and, and the rest of us too then, are all exhorted here. Set an example with our life. Remember our source of authority. Exercise our gifts and practice them. Aim for consistency in our lives and our teaching. And, and lastly then, recognize that we need to take special care in our relationships with those of a different age or gender than we are. Adjust your relationships according to both age and gender, it's telling us here in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And, and Paul tells Timothy there uh, that, that that means then, if there's an older man who is off on his doctrine, for instance, or, or needs to be challenged in some other way, don't rebuke him harshly, but encourage older men as a father. I'm a father, and you know, fathers don't really like to uh, be talked down to by their sons. All fathers but our Heavenly Father are are far from perfect, but they still ought to be treated with respect because of the position that God has placed them in. And and that principle then applies for a younger man confronting any older man. And then he goes on to say, and younger men treat them as brothers um, or as peers. And, And Paul says to Timothy regarding the opposite gender, Treat older women as mothers. And Timothy's mother's love and support was a huge thing in his life. And it seems like maybe his father wasn't really in the picture. And Paul exhorts Timothy here to then treat older women in his congregation like he would his mother. I don't know if he had sisters, but Paul exhorts him, treat all younger women as sisters. And then he adds, in all purity. And I've always considered that verse that contains some valuable dating advice. When asked about appropriateness of physical contact and dating relationships, it seems to me that only doing what's acceptable with your sister is overall good advice till you know this is the one you're going to marry. Well, we've been looking here at, at words of young, or, or, words to young leaders, but they're applicable to us all. And so as I close, I want to mention one last thing. It's already been noted earlier today that uh, today is Reformation Sunday. And we reflect back then on Martin Luther and others that took a stand against powerful church leaders who had gone apostate. Leaders who were so corrupt that they were declaring that you could buy forgiveness of your sin and you could get your relatives out of purgatory by paying money to the church. Well, Luther spoke out against that. At the young age of 34, he wrote that 95 Thesis. Speaking out against the corruption and declaring that the Bible is the supreme authority and salvation is by grace through faith alone and not by works. And he was still under 40 when he was called before the Diet of Worms and he was asked to give an account for his writings and to recant them. And we thank the Lord today that he did not do that. But he was given by the Lord the courage to stand on the authority of God's word and declare, here I stand, I cannot do otherwise.
So help me God. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder as Paul wrote to Timothy. Thank you that uh, our source of authority when we are called to lead is, is not ourselves, but, but it is your authoritative word of God. We thank you that that is recorded for us and, and that we have had the privilege of passing that on. Uh, and Lord, we, we love to tell that story of Jesus and his love. And, and we pray that you would uh, work in each of our hearts and lives, that we would live consistent with what we, what we teach, what we say we believe, and, and that you would help us when we, when we fall and, and when we slip in that, Lord, to be willing to admit our, our faults as well. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you can use us to be a, a witness and example here in this church and, and in our communities, in our neighborhoods, wherever we are. And, and Lord, that somehow, even through our lives, there will be others drawn to uh, personal faith in Jesus. There will be others strengthened and encouraged in their faith as they go through trials in life too. We thank you for your word and, and for Jesus and forgiveness of sin and eternal life in him. Amen.